Happy Friday, everyone. On today's Locked On NHL, the second round is already bonkers. We've got a Golapalooza in the Battle of Alberta, a last-second goal from Tampa, plus we've got some coaching news and a look ahead to the full weekend slate of Stanley Cup playoff games and more on today's Locked On NHL. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Friday edition of Locked On NHL. I'm Rachel Donner from Locked On Flyers. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here with the lovely and talented Gil Martin of Locked On Islanders. You can find him on Twitter at IceWarsNYR verse NYI. Gil, how we doing today? We are doing great. It's Friday. I mean, how bad could it be? <laughs> it's Friday, and we've got a full weekend of hockey coming up. These are good times. They are very good times in NHL land. Thanks for making Locked on NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Plus, you can watch us over on YouTube. Man, I am still reeling from game two of the Battle of Florida with that last second goal for Tampa to win that one. I cannot imagine a more devastating outcome for the Florida Panthers. Yeah, I mean, so heartbreaking. I I think everybody was so sure this game was going to overtime. And, you know, both defensemen followed the puck behind the net. Nobody was in front uh, and and just an easy goal and and, and a big mistake, really, by, uh, by the Florida defense. And all of a sudden... You know, Ross Colton gives him the win and and two nothing. Like wide Colton. open net there, practically. Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. I mean, Colton's all alone. A nice pass by Kucherov. And I, I don't think that, you know, realistically, the goalie just wasn't in position. I mean, didn't seem ready for the shot. And, you know, you have such a great game. And good goaltending by both teams. And, and then all of a sudden, you know, one second, he, it was like he was tracking the puck behind the goal, couldn't find it. It came out the other side. And before you know it, it's behind Bobrovsky and that's it. So uh, devastating. And, you know, to me, the big aspect of this is the emotional result of it. You're dealing with a Florida Panthers team that doesn't have as much playoff experience as the Tampa Bay Lightning, that was one of the things that sort of Tampa had in its favor going into this series. And to lose both games at home and game two in such a dramatic, painful fashion, emotionally, this is going to be a very difficult thing for Florida to overcome. Yeah, and I picked Tampa to win this series. I just really felt like whatever playoff experience from being back-to-back champions was kicking into gear, I think late in that first round series for them. And Florida having looked shaky in that first round series a little bit, I mean, they got it together, but at the same time, I just felt like there was a huge window open for Tampa. And 
man, have they gone through it. I think that one of the big problems for Florida, especially in game two, is their power play. It, this power play that has been such a huge part of their game all season long, they were 0 for 4 in game two. And that ultimately, I think, made a huge difference in the outcome of the game. No question. And, you know, here's the situation. In my mind, if you're the, the Florida Panthers, you acquired a guy like Claude Giroux at the trade deadline. Yes, yes, they did. And and he's the experienced guy who's been to, you know, Stanley Cup finals and has been a big part of some great flyer playoff teams. And, you know, he needs to lead right now. He needs to step up and, and sort of provide a little bit more leadership. And on the power play, you would think he would be playing a big part. Now, I don't mean to single him out, but but to me – He's this is why you acquired him. You need him to step up now. Yeah, and he did so in the first first round series. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know, he did get an assist in that game as as well. So, it's not like he's doing nothing, but I think you have a fair point in terms of the the power play and what his role could be. I think you also on Tampa just have the veterans stepping up. I think Stamkos is just putting everything out on the line there, you know, blocking shots. You saw him have to take, you know, a couple shifts off. I think it was just Mm -hmm. to to deal with that. And then again, you have a guy like Ross Colton stepping up again, Corey Perry scoring, which, you know, I don't like to say those words, but (laughs) um, you know, you got to give him credit. He's playing really well and, and doing everything that, a veteran needs to be doing in a series like this. So yeah, it is going to be a huge mountain to climb for the Florida Panthers going on the road. And not only are they going on the road uh, for the next two games, but you know, down Oh two. So like you said, I think the the Panthers are, are finding themselves in a difficult spot, but they've come from behind before. So we shall see. They have interesting to me that, you know, Tampa Bay has been playing in game two, at least playing seven defensemen. And I wonder if that helped them uh, as far as just sort of keeping everybody fresh throughout the game. Uh, Whereas, you know, Florida had one player who only played four minutes of ice time. uh, One of their forwards, Anton Lundell, uh, you know, maybe strategically, that's that's a good coaching move. That and Tampa Bay is taking advantage of it. Yeah, that uh, very well could be. I think that's a, a huge factor in situations like that. All right, let's switch over to the other Eastern Conference series. We have one game in so far. Carolina leads that series against the New York Rangers one game to nothing, but they didn't make it easy on themselves in that first game. (laughs) Yeah, that was a a very uh, entertaining game, and it went down also to the last minute, and it looked like the Rangers had that one. Uh, I I mean, they were cruising along with this one nothing lead, clinging to that one nothing lead, and then with what a little more than two and a half minutes, a little less than two and a half minutes left, Sebastian Ajo finally gets Carolina on the board, and then in overtime, Ian Cole ends it. Uh, 
I almost feel like the Rangers maybe went into a little bit too much of a shell trying to hold on to that one nothing lead. I completely agree with you there. I think they were just expecting a lot more from Carolina than they got. And I, to me, it felt like they were playing against a team that they saw on paper versus who was actually out there and what they were doing. So I think that's totally spot on. But, you know, again, Sebastian Ajo coming through late in the, the third period. At that point, I did really feel like it was anybody's game. Yeah, I feel like that definitely re-energized Carolina at that point. And whatever work the Rangers had done all game long was kind of out the door, <laughs> and which is horrible for them. But at the same time, you know, that's hockey, man. Yeah, yeah, that that is hockey. And uh, <clears throat> I got to put this out there, even though I don't think he was at fault in in game one of the series. I still don't see the Igor Shosturkin I saw in the regular season in this playoff series. And, you know, he he did well enough late in the series in the first round to get the Rangers through. But that level of excellence that we saw consistently throughout the regular season, I don't see it from Shosturkin right now. And, and I wonder if they played him too many games during the course of the regular season. Yeah, I think that's been a huge factor. It was a factor for them in the first round series, even though they managed to win it. But I I do think as these playoffs go on, that it's going to get tougher and tougher. And the Rangers, I think, are going to have to block more and more shots (laughs) just for defensive security reasons. Right. I think. You know, they definitely had more block shots than Carolina did in that game one. I think it was close to 20. But at the same time, it's just, I I think, a huge worry in the back of the minds of the Rangers. You know, how far can we ride Igor Shosturkin? You you need to win four playoff rounds in order to win the Stanley Cup. And I don't know that he has that in him, to be honest. It does me eat those words. Yeah, right. He never gives up another goal the rest of the playoffs and on we go. But no, uh, I I agree with you. I think, you know, he doesn't look like a dominant goalie at this point in time through the playoffs. And you talk about the block shots um, for the Rangers. First of all, you had a forward with three block shots in Frank Vitrano, and then Jacob Trouba with five block shots and six hits in game one. That's going to wear them down. Yeah, I, I, it will. If you don't win those kind of games and you put all that effort in, I also give credit to the fans down in Raleigh because once after that goal was scored to tie it, that building was absolutely rocking. And in the overtime, you sort of got the feeling Carolina had the momentum and the fans were a part of that. Absolutely. I, I think all of these games have had an excellent atmosphere. We are going to talk about what is leading to some increased fun in the stands in the, the Battle of Alberta coming up next. But first, we're going to hear about our friends at Built Bar. Yeah, I mean, look, Rachel, I love brownies, but you know what I love more? Brownie batter. Sometimes I eat half the batter just when I'm making the brownies. And imagine if you could lick that brownie spatula clean and still get some protein in. Well, you're in luck because Built has a new creation, and this one is better than ever, the brownie batter puff. You heard me right. This puff 
takes protein bars to a whole new level, and they're available right now on Built.com. Have you tried the Puffs yet? Well, I'm not sure what you're waiting for because Puffs are a chocolate-covered marshmallow protein bar. That's right, delicious-flavored marshmallow covered in 100% real chocolate. And with just 140 calories, but 17 grams of protein and only 7 grams of sugar, brownie batter puffs are the perfect pick-me-up any day. The brownie batter puffs will have you completely forgetting that you're eating a protein bar. No need to pinch yourself. This is real life. Go to Built.com. You can get your brownie batter puffs now. If you go to Built.com and use promo code LOCK15, you can get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at Built.com. Thanks for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. For your next listen, check out the Locked On Now podcast. It's nightly recaps of every NHL game with analysis from all our local experts. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, the Battle of Alberta. Man, game one was absolutely nuts. Flames winning that one nine to six, but they did blow a four goal lead in that one. We also had a hat trick from Matthew Kachuk and two braces in that game. Yes, I am on a mission to use the soccer term brace for two goal games in hockey, so I will use it. Uh, Please feel free to share that with all of your friends. So we had braces from Zach Hyman for Edmonton and Blake Coleman from Calgary. I I don't even know what to make of this game and what it means for the rest of this series. I I feel like we're due a goaltending battle, a low scoring goaltending battle up next, because that's the way these things generally go, right? Yeah, you would think. And, and, you know, it's funny. If you would have told me that in game one, 15 goals were going to be scored, I would have thought that Edmonton would have won the game. But no, uh, give credit to the Calgary Flames. And, uh, you know, Edmonton fought back. As you mentioned, they they were down 5-1 to one in the second period, managed to get back into the game and, and tie it. But in the end, a little too much Matthew Kachuk, a little too much of the Calgary Flames. And I, I, I think the key to me is to see how game two plays out. Do we still have this wide open, high scoring game or do we – rein it back a little bit and get the two to one kind of a game in, in, in game two and have the series settle down. But I love the intensity of this series. I love the rivalry. The fans were great. As you mentioned, uh, this is going to be a heck of a series. It really is. And I think one of the things that I've loved about it is the Kachuk factor and with Brady showing up and being a cheerleader for his brother in the stance. That's what's so great about it, that he's not sitting in some luxury suite or up in the press box. He is in the stands, having fun, interacting with fans. And I just love that so much. And it's so cool just to see, you know, a guy who plays on a different team now that he's out of it for the season, hell yeah, let's show up and support your brother, right? Yeah, absolutely. It humanizes the players, and that that's a good thing. And, and yeah, you, you just got to sort of love that energy and, and that family support, you know? It, it, it's nice to see that in 2022. It absolutely is. I do think, though, 
that goaltending will be a factor. Obviously, Mike Smith uh, was yanked from that game one because of the goals that came fast and furious earlier in that game. He's going to start game two for the Oilers, which I think is a good decision. I think it's important to put him back in there and you know let him get his legs back because Mike Smith is one of those goalies that you kind of never know which version of him is going to show yeah. up in any particular game. So I think that getting his confidence back is going to be important as the series progresses. Yeah, you almost get the feeling that the first five or ten minutes of this game are going to be critical for Mike Smith. That if he gives up a, a quick goal or two in game two, that uh, the Oilers may have a, a crisis of confidence on their hand. And look, Miko Koskinen came in. He did not look particularly that much better than Mike Smith. Uh Look, the, the Oilers, in addition to the goaltending, they've got to clamp down defensively. They've got to do a better job of slowing down uh, the, the Calgary Flames. I mean, you look, eight shots on goal for Matthew Kachuk, seven for Goudreau. Uh, you can't be letting that many shots, and some of them were high-quality shots. Uh, you, you just can't be allowing that many shots on goal for was it 48 shots altogether in the game that's way too high a number yeah that's i think the other big part of it for this game is that the flames just had an incredible number of opportunities so they were going to convert ba just based on past experience with them alone they were going to convert on a higher percentage of those than most teams would and so when you allow that many shots you know, I, I think that's what you get, but especially having two goals in the first minute of the game, that does not bode well for you defensively on the other side of the ice. Uh, I, I think that that is going to be a huge, huge factor for the Oilers in, in coming back from this one. But then again, sometimes the Flames do have trouble converting and they have off games. So, and that's where, the veterans and, you know, your Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, those guys are the ones that are going to have to step up and and win those games for the Oilers. So very fun series, very much looking forward to the rest of it as it continues in Calgary and then in Edmonton later on. The other series out West is also, I think, a lot of fun, maybe a little bit <coughs> more fun than I was expecting. At the beginning, uh, where the Avalanche and the Blues are tied at one game apiece in this series, the Avalanche having to win game one in overtime, which I think might have been a little surprising. And then the Blues just completely shut down the Avalanche in, in game two. I think it was a tremendous defensive effort on their part. Uh, absolutely. And, you know, the one thing you always have mixed feelings. You looked back at round one and the Avalanche were not challenged very much. I mean, no offense no. To, to Nashville, but that was a very one sided series. You knew it was over very quickly. And I wonder if they got a little overconfident heading into to round two. And the other thing that stands out to me Jordan Bennington is just one of those goalies that raises his game in the playoffs. I mean, he's good in the regular season, 
but boy, was he good in, in, in both of these games so far. Yeah. 51 saves in game one for Bennington. Uh, he had 30 saves in game two. And I, I just, I have not seen a goaltender make that big a leap between the regular season and the, and the playoffs very much. And he is absolutely the guy that does that sort of thing. I mean, it must be so frustrating for <laughs> opposing teams. I mean, we saw what happened with the wild. I think a lot of people pick the wild to win that series. And I think goaltending had been a question for the blues as part of the reason why people did pick the wild they weren't sure if Bennington was going to be able to step it up and my god has he done that he really and I think this is what the avalanche are now learning and that in game one I think it was a little you know a bit of a wake-up call for the avalanche and then they didn't really follow through on that in game two whereas the blues absolutely were able to capitalize Got to give credit to St. Louis and, and, you know, they are playing their best hockey when they need to color. And, and again, from a Colorado avalanche perspective, a lot of pressure on this team, uh, you know, winning president's trophies and being among the best teams in the league, almost taken for granted. Okay. This is one of the top contenders in the league. They, they should win the cup. They got to come through. There is pressure right now on the Colorado avalanche. Yeah, there is tremendous pressure, especially now that they have to go on the road for the next couple of games. And uh, we'll see what they're made of in that series. We are going to switch gears a little bit and talk about coaching and some updates there on awards and interviews for openings around the league. And then uh, we'll preview the weekend playoff matchups coming up next. But first, Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports information. You can find all the latest odds, news, and sports development, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Yeah, we have Jack Adams Award nominees coming out, and it's really interesting because we have Andrew Brunette from the Florida Panthers, Gerard Gallant from the New York Rangers, and Daryl Sutter from the Calgary Flames. And a lot of people have pointed this out, but there's 100% truth to this. If you look at two of those three nominees, you have two of the top three goaltenders in the league. Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> that always helps. That does always help. But, you know, all three of these uh, finalists are definitely deserving. I mean, I got to give, I'll start with Andrew Burnett because taking over, uh, you know, the team early in the season and just doing a, a great job. I mean, this is a team that easily could have fallen off after the uh, scandal that, that forced Joel Quenville to, to step down and, and, to have him come in as coach in what was it late October and then take them to the president's trophy. I have to give a lot of credit to him and uh, not allowing this team to feel sorry for themselves or to, to be shocked by the changes and goings on and to have them still win a lot of hockey games uh, that, that takes a certain amount of 
you know, emotional skill to, to keep your team on track like that. And I give Brunette a lot of credit. Exactly. And I think one of the things that they were consistently able to do over the course of the regular season was come from behind when they were down in individual games. And I think that coaching is a lot of the reason why teams have the confidence to know that they can come back in those situations and he can put plays together. He can put lines together that are going to put them in a position to succeed. And that is a huge achievement for him. I think, you know, with Gallant and Sutter, you have Igor Shesterkin and Jacob Markstrom there, like I I mentioned, and it's hard not to say that the results there were not a huge, in a huge part due to the goaltending there. Now, I, I think, you know, if you can coach a team like the New York Rangers that is relying so heavily on Igor Shesterkin, and come out with wins. I I do think there's something to that as well. When you don't have as many of the pieces as you would think you would need to succeed, that there is there is something to that as as well. So I'm not gonna like completely ding him and say he doesn't deserve it. But <laughs> no, and um, yeah, you know, you look at Galan's history. This is what the the third time he's a finalist for the Jack Adams. He won it with Vegas in 2018. Uh, was a finalist with Florida in 2016. You know, when, when a guy consistently ends up being a finalist for the Jack Adams award, he's doing something right. And, you know, as far as the Rangers go, you were integrating a lot of new players into that franchise, his roster early in the season. And then again, at the trade deadline, um, sort of have a completely different personality being a much more physical team this year than they were a year ago. So uh, a lot of change on that team and you got to give Gallant credit for managing that well. Exactly. Exactly. So, and you know, Daryl Sutter, a mainstay in the NHL, did a tremendous job with Calgary this season with all the success that they had in the regular season. So well-deserved for him as well. All right, we have several coaching openings in the NHL right now with teams that are out of the playoffs and some candidates out there that are starting to make the rounds. I think the biggest fish in the sea of the coaching carousel is Barry Trotz right now. And so far he has interviewed in Winnipeg that we know of, which is you know his home. So I would give Winnipeg kind of the edge in terms of where he might end up. But that being said, he is talking to my Philadelphia Flyers today. (laughs) So what do you think, Gil, given your experience with him recently as the coach of the Islanders, what do you think the Flyers have to say to him to make him want to coach there? Wow. Uh, You know, I think, I think that they can appeal first of all, to the tradition of the Philadelphia Flyers uh, the history of the Philadelphia Flyers, you put yourself up there with some great coaches and you can be a part of that legacy, the Freddie Shiro's, the the Pat Quinn's. Uh, there is that. And you know what? It, it also gives him a chance to kind of stick it to the Islanders who uh, just let him go. Uh, as, as As someone who follows the Islanders, I do not want 
uh, <laughs> Barry Trotz in my division if I could help it, because I think Trotz more than anybody could turn that team around quickly. I think so too. And I think that he has a really strong system based style that he works with and he's able to, I think, integrate what veterans can do with what some of the younger players can do as well. So I think that it would be really great for the Flyers if they could get him. I don't think it's going to happen, but I'm going to try and think positively that at least the conversation will go well. And maybe at the very least, the Flyers will get some creative thinking out of the conversation and consider different things as they're trying to build for next season. But, you know, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I would say Winnipeg has to be the favorite to go back home, but you never know. You do. All right, this weekend, jam-packed with hockey action. Of course, tonight we have game two for the Rangers versus Carolina and the Battle of Alberta for Calgary versus Edmonton. The rest of the weekend is a little lopsided. Saturday, there's only one game, uh, the Avalanche versus the Blues. So we'll have game three of that series. And then Sunday, there are three games. So it's going to be a tremendous day of playoff hockey. We've got Panthers versus Lightning game three. Then your next game in the Rangers versus Kane series and Flames versus Oilers. Interestingly, because of arena scheduling, the games three and four in Tampa are back to back. So they're playing Sunday and Monday. It, I think when the schedule came out, you would think it was a bit of a disadvantage for Tampa having their homes back to back. But considering how they played so far, maybe it'll work out for them. Yeah, maybe. I, I do not expect this to be a sweep. I think Florida will get at least one game out of the two. They're, they're too good of a team to roll over at this point. I 100% agree. We will see how this plays out next week. And Gil, you'll be back Monday to talk all about it with some of our local hosts. Yeah, looking forward to that. All right. And then we will be back next Friday, the two of us together to recap the week that was for next week. That'll do it for the Friday show of Locked On NHL. Uh, once again, you can find me on Twitter at our Miriam. Gil is on Twitter at Ice Wars NYRBSNYI. Have a great weekend, everybody.